Welcome to the 59th episode of the Hail Married podcast. I'm A. Toves, and as always, I'm joined by my husband, the Toves. We're back to preview the I-35 rivalry game with Texas State. Let's get started. We were fortunate enough to be able to watch the Texas State-Baylor game. And while certainly Texas State played well, a lot better than probably anybody expected them to play, certainly Baylor, there were certainly some things to take away from that game. So what were your impressions of Texas State after seeing the game? Well, first of all, I think that Baylor seemed like a days ago, and they really seemed just badly coached. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think if you look back at UTSA and how they played against Houston, they don't look badly coached. They look like they're lacking a special teams coordinator. They look like they need to make tweaks on offense. And, you know, on defense, it looks like they're well coached, right? I might, you know, a couple of, you know, you know, issues here and there. But again, it's it's just tweaks. Whereas Baylor just seemed like, did you guys even know that you had a game yeah. <laughs> that Saturday yeah, partic- at home? Particularly on offense. I mean, Baylor's offense was just bad. They had five false start penalties on their offensive line at home. Right. So they can't, it's not like they can blame the, you know, the... The environment they were in, the refs, or, yeah. Right. It was just, it was bizarre. I, and I guess you go back and look, and they lost, like, a, probably their entire offensive line. Okay, but is that really what you expect? I mean, it killed their drives, and it kind mm-hmm. of killed their offensive momentum. And their quarterback got hurt, and whatever. Right. Yeah. But here's the deal. This isn't, let's not talk about the fact that, you know, Baylor didn't play up to what Baylor should be. Texas State came out, they said, I should say, instead of they, I should say, G.J. Kinney, the head coach, said, we're going to shock the world. They did. Yeah. They came out, they played well on offense, they played well on defense, played well on special teams. If you want to call it a triangle, they're triangle travels, to be yeah, honest certainly. with you. Honestly, I think that this Texas State team is better than we probably think about you know when you think about texas state i think the the one thing you always uh, go back to is they try really hard but they're just not good enough yeah and you you saw it in every single loss that they've had to utsa so far take out that 2017 loss and it's been a close loss in three games that 2017 loss in san marcus they went up against a utsa team that was hungry that was honestly really good defensively and there was nothing they could do to match UTSA's energy here's my concern can UTSA match Texas State's energy when they come into town on Saturday yeah I mean it's fair to say this is the most talented Texas State team UTSA has ever faced I would say so I honestly would say so and that's with turning over the roster and still probably needing like maybe a season or two to get some more depth in there. I mean, you know, looking at the Baylor game again, you could see areas that were good, mm-hmm. but certainly you could tell that had Baylor been on their game, had been much more well-prepared and well-coached, they could have taken advantage of some of these Texas State weakness weaknesses. And really, I think it would have still been a close game, but they would have staved off that upset. Yeah, so let's talk about their offense. Interestingly, if you look at their roster, I, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting about Texas State is that they list how many starts they've had. And on their roster, 
every single person that's starting has one, meaning they were a brand new roster last game. This is their second game playing together. Once again, it's like you wipe the slate clean yep. and you've got a whole new offense out there. I was pretty much like, if you had asked me this question or told me that they would have come out and they played really well against Baylor, I would have been like, but it shrugged my shoulder in the, during the summer and been like, okay. But what I saw in terms of how they executed was actually, I think, incredibly respectable in terms of the fact that, you know, they've got a new system they're learning. Mm-hmm. Outside of the offensive linemen, there really wasn't, there's not like they brought over the incarnate word offense, you know, entirely like their offensive skill players over. They just brought over that offensive line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that certainly helps in the scheme of things. But I think it all starts, of course, with T.J. Finley, right. their massive quarterback. Yeah. As if we didn't face a large quarterback against Houston. Yeah, it, to me, when I watched Finley, he reminds me a lot of Lowell Narcisse. In somewhere between 2019 Lowell and, like, BYU <laughs> Lowell. Like, not quite that good as BYU 2020 Lowell, but definitely he's got a strong arm. He's a big guy. He's shifty. He can run. And... He's hard to take down. He is. However, this UTSA defense showed that it can bring down a big quarterback, and they chased down Donovan Smith quite mm-hmm. a bit in Houston. The key, I think, here is the fact that I believe, at least from what I've seen, that TJ Finley is a much better passer than Donovan Smith. Mm-hmm. I, I think Donovan had some clear passing lanes at times, and he took advantage of them. But for the most part, it didn't feel like he was he could pick apart a defense. TJ, though, was picking apart that Baylor defense. And if it wasn't for some drop passes by their wide receivers, that that game could have gotten a little uglier because yeah, was, he, he was dropping some dimes in there. It's sort of interesting because you take, like, probably if you took TJ Fenley and you put him with the Houston wide receivers, like, that could be really dangerous. Because the wide receivers oh, on the yes. Houston team, I think, are better than Donovan Smith, you know, man, Jack, and Golden. But on this team, you're looking at TJ Finley being the star, and then they have two kind of shorter um, wide receivers. Now, don't get me wrong, you're going to hear a lot about Joey Hobart, um, or Joe Dirt is what they were calling him um, on television. He's a short guy, he's like 5'11", but he made a spectacular one-handed catch. So it, it's not that he's not talented, but I think if you were to put those two wide receivers up against Man, Jack, and Golden, I, I would take Man, Jack, and Golden hands down. Sure, but I think what the reason why this Texas State offense looks dangerous, it's because Joey Hobart, as you uh, just brought up. Joe Dirt, I like that name better. Actually, the son of Billy Joe Hobart, who is the quarterback for the Washington Huskies 1991 National Championship team. Fun fact there. I like the way he ran his routes. And the reason I think that TJ Finley was good was because of the fact that not only did Hobart run good routes, but so did Ashton Hawkins and Cole Wilson. Also, other wide receivers, both 5'10 or under. So there's these like kind of smaller receivers, mm-hmm. quick but they're running disciplined routes, and that, that to me in itself, could pose a, a threat to this UTSA um, defense. Mostly because, and I wouldn't say it's because TJ Finley is just going to pick you apart to you know down the field, but because he can make those critical throws, and you know it's going to come down again to like situations. Can you play situational football? Mm-hmm. 
Um, this this you know Texas State offensive line certainly looks it looks formidable at this point. It's tough to judge though, much like UTSA is tough to judge because of the fact that they've only had one game. I, I, yeah. I know that four or five out of them were came from UDIW, and so they've been kind of playing together. But it's always tough to judge. Like, you had one good game. Does that kind of springboard into another good game, another good game? I yeah. think, obviously, that's what they want, but... And, you know, these are some big dudes. I mean, we, we criticize kind of the size of the UTSA offensive line. But, I mean, these guys are... They're big. They're all 320, 335, 350, 330. I mean, they're, they're some big dudes. They seem like they could definitely bully um, Baylor's defensive line, which is a little bit surprising. But, you know, given their size, I'm just interested to see how they go up against UTSA's defensive line and who wins at that line of scrimmage. It's going to be a good battle. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I I think, based on what I saw once again, they may be big guys. I would ask the same question if I was a Texas State a fan, I would say, are these guys too big to be playing the type right. of offense that you're running? Because it, it's it's an up-tempo, you know, team. So, you know, I would say, look, you'd have to watch out for these injuries. And that's the thing is that right. we talked about and what I set the foundation here for was, yes, they turned over the roster, but they're kind of skin deep. They're not, they don't have like two or three guys, kind of like UTSA does, you know, I think they'll get there, which is even scarier. But for right now, any sort of injury to them, any sort of bad day, it's not like they can replace them. Right? They just got to live with what they got. And, you know, that's just, again, I'm trying to find things to pick apart on this offense. Mm-hmm. But, again, if I was a Texas State fan, I'd be feeling pretty good because, you know, like I said, I think Mac Lefwich, who is their offensive coordinator, has put together an offense that looked crisp, looked a whole lot better than an offense should look in the first week of the season. Uh, hopefully that, you know, if they keep getting better, I'd be happy for them as long as it's not this game, right? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, Tove's long-term goal here is that um, Leftwich looks good in every game except for the UTSA game, enough so, or so much that he ends up replacing Dana Dimmel next year <laughs> as the head coach, and then we don't have to face him again. Right. Shout out to my to our good friend Big Brown for saying that Dana Dimmel's my Tony Flenderson. If you watch The Office, um, it's certainly true. But I just called it because I felt like there's been a lot of schools that have been taking a chance on young assistant coaches, young head coaches, just in general. I think Mac Lefwich has something going here. I honestly, I thought this offense would translate to you know FBS. And I get it's one game. I'm not saying that it totally has. But based on what I saw, based on what I've seen from the receivers, from TJ Finley, I got to say, things are looking really good for Texas State. Let's go to the defense. Yeah, the offense, again, on Baylor, I mentioned this earlier, they had five false start penalties. And it's just crazy to think about that when you're at home. And the, the defense, I really think, took advantage of those you know unlike what we said about Houston and UTSA this defense for Texas State took advantage and helped get good field position for the team and was able to really kind of turn the field for their offense 
I would just describe this Texas State defense simply as an opportunistic one. I don't know that they were necessarily really, uh, I would say, disciplined. But, like you said, whenever whenever they caused some sort of havoc and they forced Baylor to, you know, into uncomfortable situations, Texas State usually won those battles. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was huge because that in itself, take away the offense and how it performed, this in itself, I think, gives Texas State fans even more hope because that's not the Texas State that we've known. This Texas State defense has been sort of also ran, has been just... I mean, they've been as bad as their offense, right? Like, they've been good in fits and spurts, but they just never seem to put it together. G.J. Kinney put together this plan on on Saturday that was com- a complete package. And this defense, I think, again, I think it's still kind of skin deep. I think they still have some holes to fill. But certainly, this defense is going to come out at you. This defensive line is going to try to push you around. Is it going to be enough against this UTSA offense? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I can't be certain, but I think it's going to be a great challenge because coming off of what well, I really wasn't as hyped a uh, defensive line as, you know, some would say with Houston, mm-hmm. here's one that's probably much more unheralded, yet I feel like they can cause some problems for this UTSA offensive line and certainly disrupt any of uh, run blocking that they have that UTSA has uh, queued up for this game. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, kind of going into this game, one of the names that they kept saying that you should keep an eye on for Texas State was um, cornerback Caleb Ford Dimmitt. He's a redshirt senior transfer from Washington State. They kept talking about how he was kind of like the leader of the defense, sort of talking about him in a way like you would hear people refer to Rashad. But he was pretty quiet in the game against Baylor. And then at the end of the day, when you looked at his PFF score, it was kind of low. So I, you know, I was thinking ahead of time, like, okay, maybe we should really be concerned about these corners and and maybe they're secondary. But I don't know. I I do still feel like if Frank can come in and if he feels confident in his passing, I have a lot more confidence even in our young wide receivers than in what I saw from uh, Texas State secondary. Yeah, like I said, it's opportunistic. It's going to be aggressive, but I don't see anybody that like pops like this UTSA defense. Like mm-hmm. UTSA's defense has, um, you know, you don't. They don't have like a even a Donye Taylor that I felt like you know just got shot out of a cannon and like sacked right. out of Smith. Right. I think the key is going to be, um, you know, how Frank comes out. Right. Yeah. How um, we execute. Yeah. So let's talk about the keys to victory then, since we're kind of. We've kind of been alluding to them them already. Let's start with the offense. Obviously, win the line of scrimmage, win in the trenches. I think that's going to be a big one. To me, I think that if UTSA can control that line of scrimmage on offense, then they're going to start pushing around this defense. That means a little bit more possession time, a little bit more time off the clock. These games are going faster game-wise, mm-hmm. maybe not length-wise because of, you know, the commercial commercials breaks, yeah. and stuff like that. But um, certainly I can see UTSA uh, controlling that line of scrimmage and giving fits to Texas State because they want to get their hands on the ball again because that their offense does score quick. I would say there's got to be a couple early throws for Frank. Um, this is... We're talking about Burt putting Frank in the 
best position possible to succeed. Look, he got one game in Houston to see where Frank was. Mm -hmm. I think Frank started pressing after he threw an interception. I think, you know, it it goes back to the cure ball, right? Like where Frank just started pressing and really wanted to make a play, and he kind of starts forcing. He starts, like, just staring down receivers. Um, I think you can afford to do that a little bit more here against Texas State because it's not – doesn't have the talent that Houston has – but that's not something you really want to kind of become a habit here, right? right? And last thing here, look, we got to establish this run game, but this run game I think has got to be the bread and butter until Frank gets his legs under him. Right. You know, we talked about his, you know, Frank's issues with his accuracy against Houston. That's why I want to see what those first few passes look like. If he's not hitting these receivers in stride, if he's kind of sailing the ball a little bit, this run game has to be the focal point of this offense. TJ Kenny knows that. This isn't like a secret that, you know, we're saying right now that other, you know, opposing teams haven't already started to figure out. On defense, look, they're going to have to have their head on the swivel. There's a lot of kind of isolation plays and misdirection that really this Texas State offense kind of feeds off of. And if UTSA isn't watching what they're <laughs> watching where they're at, um, they're going to get put in situations where they're one-on-one. Here's what I think, though, is that if you're going to put a Texas State wide receiver, no matter how good Joe Dirt is, <laughs> I think he's going to have trouble against some of these UTSA secondary mm-hmm. because of the fact that I think the talent level is just a little bit higher in terms of the secondary. So it is, I think, going to be a little bit more difficult for um, for Texas State to execute, but that doesn't mean that they can't. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't. I'm right, just saying, right, like, yeah. I think it's just going to be much more difficult than they did than they had against Baylor. Again, winning the trenches is another key. You know, obviously winning this line of scrimmage is, I mean, it's paramount for like any sort of game, any sort of team, but I think in particular for this game, we really want to just sink Texas State right away, deflate them, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the last thing is, as great as that defense played against Houston, would like to see them create and capitalize on some turnovers, right? Like, right. you kept wanting a pick six so much because it, you thought that it would get UTSA started. Mm-hmm. And there were two fumbles. Um, in, Texas State had two fumbles against Baylor. So, you know, as much as we've talked about how poorly Baylor executed, keep that in mind. You know, this is an opportunity for UTSA to create um, additional turnovers. I agree, and I, and I think that's what gives a little bit more hope, because I think overall the key, another key here is just going to be the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. I think that UTSA is not going to turn over the ball as much as Texas State, and I think that you know UTSA is going to be in more position to take advantage of these turnovers. So let's do our. I mean, is it way too early? It feels like it's not way too early since we're not doing it on a Sunday. It's a little more just too early prediction. Yeah, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, certainly the line opened at like 12 points, and and I don't think it's going to be that type of game. I mean, I would love for UTSA to beat Texas State by, you know, 12 to 14 points, but I just don't think that's realistic. Your heart would take it much better, right? (laughs) Yeah, my heart would totally love that. But, you know, at the end of the day, my initial gut at the beginning of the season was that I didn't think G.J. Kinney was going to have this team really ready to play just because he has so many transfers. I mean, I think he has the second most 
transfers on this team compared to, you know, second only to prime, right? Right. And so I was thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a tough game in 2024. But, you know, obviously he got this team to gel against Baylor. So, you know, good for them. However, I think it was pretty clear that Baylor came out, like you said before, they weren't ready to play. They underestimated Texas State and they just didn't show up. I think Texas State is better than expected, but I don't think they're great. Not yet. I'm confident that our defense is going to show up just like they did against Houston and not allow Texas State to score as many points as they did against Baylor. I'm going to trust that um, Burke is going to do a better job scheming around Frank and that we'll be able to get our run game going again. Um, Looking for Kavorian, Rocco, and Robert Henry to have um, big games this time. Um, regardless, I think this is going to be close. Like I said, I think I'm going to have more than one high heart alert on my Apple Watch, <laughs> unfortunately. But I do think that our team is going to come out in the Dome ready to play and ready to win. So give me UTSA 31-27. All right. Look, I was quite optimistic about UTSA's record when we first started this whole thing. Uh, I was looking at a 10-2 record overall just in the regular season. I still think this team is capable of a 10-2 record. Um, they might just have to grind a little bit more than I mm-hmm. thought they would have to. Because uh, this wasn't one of the losses that I thought. Um, the Houston loss was not one that I thought that would uh, be on their uh, schedule. Look, I, I didn't agree with the large line that came out. I thought that that was way too large. I'm like, I don't think you guys saw what happened in, in Waco. Mm-hmm. This Texas State team is for real. And when you're playing a rival, yep. those games can be just up in the air and can be just whatever, right? Like, yep. we've seen it. We've talked about this with North Texas as well. Right. And, right? and these games with Texas State have been too close before. Correct. Correct. Like I said, only one was a blowout. That was 2017. Other than that, they've been close. I, I think that this UTSA defense is going to get scored on a few times. But I think, as I mentioned before, this Texas State offense looks like it'd be a little turnover prone. So I feel like there's going to be a few turnovers coming on, and it's going to be UTSA creating said turnovers. This offense will find a little bit more balance, and I think will do a little bit more because they're playing a defense that's not as talented as Houston's. And so they'll be able to get away with some of the things that they weren't able to get away with uh, in the third ward on Saturday. This is Frank Harris's last home career season opener. First of all, take that in for a second. If you're going to tell me that he's going to have a bad game on the last home opener of his career, I can't believe it. Even though we saw what we saw last Saturday. I think Frank bounces back. I think he has a pretty good game. Again, not up to Frank's standards, but I think he figures some things out with Justin Burke. I think there's going to be a lot of questions if UTSA loses one, but those can be put on the shelf right now for the time being. Give me UTSA 31-30 over Texas State in a nail-biter. Okay. Before we go, it was announced recently that local philanthropist Harvey Nahum had donated $2 million to UTSA football. $1 million is pledged and available for this year, and another million pledged for 2024. The interesting part of this donation is that Coach Trailer has the sole discretion for how these funds will be used. He's hinted that he'll use the funds for recruiting, assistant coaches' salaries, and nutrition, but he kind of said in his 
media day today that, you know, they haven't quite figured out exactly what they're going to do with that funds yet. So this was obviously a huge donation for UTSA, for the football program in particular. Um, and after several weeks of discussion about how we lacked in the same types of funds that the other AAC programs. Um, Say what it is, broke boy. It were, yeah. <laughs> um, it was nice to see that this donation kind of came through in a little bit unexpectedly, but um, looking forward to see what a coach trailer does with that donation over the next two years. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when it comes to assistant salaries, he's got to be careful there when he says that because of the fact that he really needs to just talk to um, Dr. Campos. Uh, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're paying an analyst or something extra money and it's not in line with what the budget is going to be like in a few years. So, you know, just something to think about, but certainly a good thing for this program. Um, you know, maybe not a game changer for other programs that are much larger than UTSA, uh, but sorely needed here. Again, I, I think if you would talk to any UTSA coach, it would be, if we have a, if you donate a certain amount of money, it would be great so that we can get some of the things that we don't have, right? Right. So, um, yeah. Again, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how this transpires. Um, but I think it's a great thing overall. Yeah, and and it sounds like there may be some other big donors in the future that will help us to get our indoor slash covered practice facility, whichever version um, comes about in the the near future. So exciting things on the horizon would love it to be indoor because that just lines up with what everybody else yeah versus the covered but yeah, yeah but totally understand that that might not be the case because of the way everything has been set up so just something to think about right all right well that about wraps it up for us um thanks for joining us in the hail married podcast i'm a Tobes. and i'm Tobes. we'll be back next week to recap our win against texas state birds up